Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Amen. That was awesome. You guys like to worship, don't you? I can tell you, like, you know, it's like we just get to join in with you. That's so good. Welcome those joining by live stream. So I was thinking about tonight and... You know, if you look at the different books of, in the, and certainly in the New Testament, the book of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, was a book of correction. That was kind of, I call it the bad boy and girl church. It's like, you guys are kind of messed up, and let me try to correct you all, and teaches them on how to do it, and, and we really need that. In the church at Ephesus, that's probably the most mature. If you think of the, the uh, six chapters in Ephesians, um, it is probably the most um, highest level of equipping, teaching, revelation of all the churches that I can see. And uh, so I want to just draw our attention in, in Ephesians where Paul writes through the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians. He shares on the fact in chapter one, it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse three, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. That's amazing to know that he gives us these spiritual blessings. So we also know from Ephesians chapter 2 that you are a workmanship. King James says workmanship in Ephesians 2 in verse 10. New Living says you're a masterpiece. I had this revelation. I was cutting the grass. I had this revelation of masterpiece, and it was like, my wife and I have been watching this uh, series called the Call the Midwife. It's all these birth. It's 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 a, an English version of uh, these midwives during the early 1900s and into the 50s, and I just really liked it. And but they show the birth of a child, and I, if you talk about a masterpiece, there's no greater masterpiece. It's not a choice. That's a masterpiece. When you look at the amazing masterpiece, right? I got to see all four of mine born, and it was like. When that, when, where is she? She's gone. Well, she was born one day. Um, amazing masterpiece to have that presented as the uniqueness, the intricacy. The They still can't figure out how the brain works and how the heart gets its signal. What a masterpiece. He tells us we are this masterpiece. In fact, the word there under workmanship or masterpiece means sculpture, but also is poema. You and I are a poem written by God's hand. You're talking about a masterpiece. So, wow. Then he goes on and he, he tells us in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, he, he then, Paul then digs into the depths of the revelation and even the poetry of this whole book is so incredible. But he's getting to a point where he wants to reveal to the church and he says in chapter 2, and he begins in verse 19, Now, Thor, we're no longer strangers. We're not foreigners. We're now fellow citizens. He's now included Gentiles in the midst of this with all the saints of the household of God. And verse 20, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So think of the foundation uh, of a house where it says this is how the church has been laid and there are both apostles and there are prophets that, but then Jesus being the cornerstone, the chief, right? That Centerpiece. If you don't get the cornerstone right, the whole house is out of whack, right, Ron? This guy did our plumbing in our house, and man, to get the angles and everything's like, praise God, these guys know how to do that, right? 
you got to get it right so when you flush the toilets, it works, right? So there's this place of the cornerstone, the assignment, the laying out of the specifics of all this. And, and so, but then I love what he goes on. He says, he talks about us being the temple of the Lord. Chapter 3 goes on as such a powerful uh, statement of the manifold wisdom of God, the fathomless, endless riches that are available to us in Christ. But then he de- dives into really what is the fivefold discussion for the mature church to understand what he, and, and growing up in, in all of my churches of 45 years before, this was never taught. It's like, where, what, where is it? What, what, it's right here. I mean, what, the unity of the body of Christ. And so I like the fact that in this season, this is being brought back. He tells us in chapter four, this, this again, mysterious part where Jesus who led the captives goes in, he says, who, he who first ascended, descended in chapter 4. And when he descended, he gets the keys back. We see that. But then he says, he gives gifts. So the gifts of the fivefold ministry are actually from Jesus himself. We can see that in 1 Corinthians 12. We studied and shared on this before. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's nine of them listed there, right? Wisdom, knowledge, discernment, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation, tongues. So we know the Holy Spirit gives those gifts. Jesus gives the administrative gifts to the body of Christ and breaks them down in that fashion. So if you look at verse 11 of Ephesians 4, he gave some, gave some, not all, apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. We've got to become more and more spotless. Why? For the work of ministry to build or edify the body of Christ. So how many of you had opportunity to take the fivefold ministry test survey? Okay, about a third of you. Um, I encourage you to, you can do that. You can go online and I think Brian will be here. I think it's next week and he'll, he'll help us if you need some help with the computer on that. But the uh, finding where you kind of lean into, we did the gifts test of the Holy Spirit a, a while back. Now this is one where you can look at how do I lean into some of these and you'll find at least one of the things I've looked at, you'll find that there's a, uh, a, a, an agreement between the gifts. It might be pastor-teacher, might be evangelistic teacher, prophetic teacher. Um, so we want to find out where we're kind of leaning in those directions. So tonight, we're privileged to have our own pastor bishop. Praise God. Yeah. So let's stand and let's welcome him. And I just uh, want you to know that um, there's been this calling out. I, I've been here. I love when visitors come from other places. And I remember it was a couple of years ago, probably Chantel and William Wood will be this weekend, called out the prophet. And he went out right here. And then it was confirmed by many other. So would you welcome our prophet of the house, Bishop? Praise the Lord. We may take your seats. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. You are such a good God. You are such a kind God. We thank you because in you we move, in you we have our being. Holy Spirit, I yield myself completely to you. Use me as you will see fit. Lord, minister your word through me. Lord, let your word flow. Let there be revelation. Let there be insight. Let there be power released. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome everybody 
on a Wednesday, beautiful Wednesday evening. I just love Pastor Tom. I mean that um, is is a is a role model for me, and he's been there for many over the years because I've heard stories before I came, and so thank you for who you are. And I also want to say to everybody, that the way you live your life, the way you carry yourself, the way you go about your life, you have no idea how much it impacts others. I would say there are many of you in this house that your walk with God has inspired, continues to inspire me. So I just want to encourage you that even though you might be under pressure, under attack, and you're trying to figure life out, the way you are going about that and living your life is impacting a lot of people without you even saying a word. Your life is preaching a message. So continue to live passionately for God. Continue to follow God, pursue God. There are many in this church that the way they believe God, the way they just go after God inspires me to, to want to go for more, to want to push harder. Amen? So I just want to throw that in to encourage you that don't think you are just small little me. No, there's no small Christian because the Holy Spirit is inside all of us. Praise, praise God. So tonight, we are going to have a wonderful time in the Word. We are going to talk about, I called it the prophet and the prophetic realm. The reason I titled it the prophet and the prophetic realm because in the prophetic realm, you have the office of the prophet. So you may not be a prophet, but still operate in the prophetic realm. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to help us to flow through this in a very methodical fashion. I'm going to try my best to teach tonight, not preach. Um, not what happened on Sunday, no, no preaching. We're going to take it slow. And I will also say that if you have any questions, write them down. And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to answer them even before we finish in the course of the message. Uh, something will be said to you, he himself is the teacher. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So Pastor already uh, opened with some of the introduction to this. Uh, we read uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7. Uh, that's where the fivefold offices are listed. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 to 31. So I want you to, you know, it's in your material. Because of time, we are not going to read it. So I just want to do some quick foundation and just run through this material. Again, this is a material you can teach for months because it's so much and so many dimensions to it, but I'm going to try my best to go through it in a methodical fashion that we can understand. The Bible tells us there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healings, workings of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts can be subcategorized into three categories, the power gift, the revelation gift, and the vocal gift. Primarily, the office of the prophet or the prophetic operates in the revelation gift and some of the vocal gift. There are people that are called 
with gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. There are, there's, there's a couple that I know, um, well, I learned about them through another man of God. The husband will speak in tongues, the wife will interpret. When you put the two of them together, it's equal to prophecy. Because prophecy is inspired utterance in a known tongue. Inspired utterance. So the Holy Ghost can move through any of these gifts, through any body in the body of Christ. Because remember, if you open to 1 Corinthians 12, it said, desire spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. So if I can desire it, that means God wants to use me in that. So that means all of the nine gifts, because I, mean, I don't know about you, but when I was coming up, I think about gift of healings, gift of miracles, gift of faith. That's for the big boys. But as I mature, I'm serious, as I mature, I found out it's for everybody. The only thing that's different with the five offices is, think of it like in the military. I mean, who's been in the military? Okay. When you were in the military, you got trained, you got equipped for the assignment they are sending you to do. So if Jesus, the head of the church, is going to pick a couple of people within his body and say, you, I want you to be a prophet. You, I want you to be an apostle. You, I want to be a teacher. Don't you think it will equip them? They are the tools of the trade, the nine gifts. So they are an equipment for that office to function in the call that God has given them. But it's available to everybody, whether you are called into the fivefold ministry or not. The only difference is the office carries it with them. It's part of their job. It's part of the job function. Does that make sense? Because if, we, if you don't have it, how do you deal with demonic? How do you deal with the works of the enemy if you don't have those gifts? So God has to equip us to be able to handle that. The apostle, the prophet, to be able to see in the realm of the spirit, to be able to prophesy the mind of God and things like that. So I just wanted to lay that foundation that these gifts are available to everybody, but it's also the equipment or the tools for these fivefold offices to do their job, to teach. The anointing, there's an anointing to teach. There's an anointing to preach. There's an anointing to prophesy. It's an anointing. Amen? It's not something that you went to Bible school. There's nothing wrong with Bible school, and then you, you got it from there. No. You can get knowledge. You, can, you, know, you guys know this. You can have more knowledge than the guy who is teaching, but there's an anointing to teach. <laughs> there's an anointing to communicate that, such that when the person picks up the microphone and begins to speak, it's like, man, I never saw that before. It's because it's an anointing. It's not them. It's the anointing, the equipping of the Father, of the Lord Jesus in that office. So you have power gifts, which is the gift of faith. I explain it this way. Power gift is the gift that do something. Gift of faith, gift of working of miracles, gift of healings. Revelation gift is the gift that reveals something. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirit. I want to speak quickly about discerning of spirit. Discerning of spirit, we used to think... At least I did, because again, revelation is progressive. What I know last year about this topic, God has added more to it. Next year, it will add more. I'll keep growing and growing and growing until the day I expire. That's the way it should be for every child of God. So I used to think discerning of spirit is just seeing in the spirit. 
But I found out discerning of spirit has to do with all the five senses. The ability to sense there's an angel in the room, that's discerning of spirit. The ability to see there's an angel in the room, that's discerning of spirit. The ability to hear an angel in the room, uh, because you are using your five senses, your spiritual, just like we have five senses in natural, you also have five senses in the realm, in, in your spiritual anatomy. Because if, I, if you step out of, your, out of your body right now, and I look at Pastor Tom, he looks exactly like Pastor Tom, but more glorious. Amen? Be- because, <laughs> <praise the Lord. laughs> because how do we how do we recognize that it's Pastor Tom when we get to heaven? Because it looks like him. You look exactly like you right now. Ex- the difference is there's no imperfection. You are glorious. You are perfect. You are flawless. You are indestructible, like God. Amen. So the nine gifts are available to everybody in the church. So how do we receive revelation? When a revelation is given, it will come via one of the three revelation gifts, either word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirit. Everything within the realms of knowledge, whether they are facts, events, purposes, motives, origins, destinies, human, demonic, divine, satanic, natural or supernatural, past, present, or future, will be revealed through one of those three gifts. So if you picture God, because I'm blown away when I think about how big this God is. He knows the past, the present, the future, and he's seeing them at the same time. I'll, I'll explain it to my, my girls like this. God has the capability to see my life right now, before I was born, when I am gray and old and I'm about to expire, he's seeing all of them at the same time. So every detail of our life he's able to see. And that's why God, because he's divine, he's able to reveal secrets through his prophets, through one of those three gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirit. Now, the three revelation gifts can come through many vehicles. I think of it this way. You, come, you came to church today through your car. You could have come today by an airplane. That would be an overkill. But if you are rich, fine. Come with your biplane or two-engine plane or whatever. It's a, it's a vehicle that brought you here. What I'm trying to say is this. Word of knowledge can come through the vehicle of a dream. Word of knowledge can come through the vehicle of a prophecy, inspired utterance. Word of knowledge can come through a supernatural appearance. Word of knowledge can come through any of the other gifts. Does that make sense? Because, so, God is trying to pass a message to you, but he's using the dream avenue to deliver that message. Many times, I was telling my girls, when you have dreams, you're actually seen in the realm of the spirit. Both on, you know, if it's a demonic dream or a God dream, it's, you, are, you are looking in the realm of the spirit. God spoke to um, the two, uh, what's her name? Um, the sister of Moses, Miriam and Aaron. God spoke to them because you know the story. They were complaining that Moses, are you the only one that God speaks through? 
God speaks to us through. So God appeared to them, and I'm paraphrasing now. He said, if there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, speak to them in dreams. I speak to them in dark sayings, in parables, but not so with my servant Moses, because I speak to him face to face. So God is showing us there, because sometimes we minimize dreams. I just had a dream last night. I just had a dream. You have to, early, you have to honor dreams the more you honor it, the more God will begin to speak to you through it. Amen? I just had a dream last night. I'm waiting for an angel to appear. But dream, eh. you put it in the back seat like it's nothing. No, it's, it's something. Do you know that the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a threat to his life? And what method did God choose to warn his parents? Joseph in a dream. In a dream. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, in a night vision. In fact, they use the word night vision and dream interchangeably in the Bible. So I want you to honor your dreams and journal them. So what I do now is when I wake up, because I dream all the time. When I wake up, I, the first thing I do, I grab my phone and I record it. Because when you are coming out of a dream, you are in between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. So the memory that you have from your spirit man is transferred, pasted, if I can use that term, transmitted into your soul for a brief moment. And if you don't write it down, how, how, why, do, how do you think that you wake up and two hours later, if you didn't write it down, I, I had a dream. I don't remember no more. Because it wasn't something that happened in the natural. It was something that took place in the spirit realm that your spirit man imprinted that message into your soul because you have your spirit, your soul, and your physical body. And so if you don't transcribe it quickly, it's gone. It's like a vapor. So God is passing a message to you, but you are ignoring it. So don't ignore your dream. So now let's go into the core of the message today. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 14.1. The Bible says you may all prof prophesy. Verse 1, pursue love, desire spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. So that means everyone in this room may prophesy. Notice he used the word may <laughs> because you have to, you have to, Step out in faith. Amen? To do it. You have to step out in faith to do it. Something is bubbling in, in your spirit, and God wants to use you to say it, but you have to be bold enough to say, because you'll it, be crossing in your mind, is this me or is this God? Is this me or is this God? Now, the knowledge of the word of God that you have, as you grow in the word of God, your prophecy will get stronger and sharper and crisper. Because prophecy is coming from God, and the word of God is God, they agree. Amen? So whatever prophetic word you are releasing, the content of the word of God in you will make, will make it more impactful or less impactful. So that's why you need to study the word of God. The foundation of everything is the word. The guardrail of our life is the word of God. But I also say to you that the word of God is the foundation of everything, is the guardrail of everything. 
but God did not tell us everything in the Bible. Okay, I want that to sink in for a minute. There's something we call extra biblical, and there's something we call unbiblical. There's a difference. Unbiblical means it's of the devil, it doesn't align with the word, throw it in the trash. Extra biblical means, okay, that's different, but there's a witness here that this is of the Lord. For example, the spiritual realm. God gives us a lot of information about the spiritual realm. In fact, I would say a little bit information about the spiritual realm, what God looks like, what heaven looks like, how the angels operate, how many um, ranks of angels that we have, um, how they operate, but he didn't tell us everything. So if somebody has an encounter, now you don't build your life on encounters. Encounters has to line up with the word. That's why the Bible says, if an angel appear to you, you question them, you query them. Is Jesus the son of the living God? As he come in the flesh, did he die? You query them. So extra biblical does not mean unbiblical. I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, because many times people have experiences and encounters that he, he lines up with scripture, but you can't find a Bible and verse for it. I'll give you another good example. There's the will of God for my life. I'm using myself now as an example. Before the foundation of the world, God ordained for me to be a preacher, to preach his word, and to do certain things for him that will be unfold in the days and in the weeks and in the months and years to come. But that plan was not taped to my body the day I was born. <laughs> the plan that God has for you was not taped to your body so that your mom can read like a long letter from God and say, okay, this is your son, this is your daughter, this is what she's going to be. She's going to be a banker. She's going to be an evangelist. She's going to be an engineer. No. Through life and through the word of God, you begin to learn. You begin to learn how to hear God. You begin to learn how to decipher the voice of God from the voice of the enemy, and you start following that footsteps. It's like breadcrumbs. So the plan of God for every one of our lives, you know, the Bible, you know I read, I've, I've listened to many preachers and many people teach on this, talking about prophets that are born prophets and prophets that are imparted. In other words, another prophet laid hands on them and they start seeing in the realm of the spirit, they start operating in that gift. I want to believe, because God is a planner. God did not just wake up one day and say, hey, um, I need another apostle. So I'm going to grab her and I'm going to make her an apostle. No, he made you an apostle before the foundation of the world. There are people that start their ministry at a very young age because that's God's intention. And there are others that will start in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. I don't understand that. For example, I was talking to, the, to God about that recently. And God answered me directly and through other prophets. Because I talk to God all the time. Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30. Moses started his ministry at the age of what? 80. Go figure. At 80, you're done. 
Yeah, like, okay, it's time to go. But God is like, no, you're just starting. So what I'm trying to say is this. Whatever your age is right now, ignore it. Put it in your back pocket. Thank God for it, because there are people that don't even live to that age that you have right now. Praise God for it. So if God has something for you to do, don't write yourself off. Because you have a number that's attached to your name. Because you counted some days, and then you say it's over. No, it's not over. Until God says it's over. If the assignment God has for you is for just three years, like the Lord Jesus Christ, he was 30, and he did it for three and a half. Three and a half, actually. Three and a half years. And we are, that assignment is still speaking today. And it will continue to speak to the end of time and it, in eternity. Somebody's looking for me. I'm busy right now. No, that's not God. That's somebody here on the earth. <laughs> because <laughs> so your assignment is not, don't write yourself off because of time, because of age. Glory to God. So when you talk about prophecy, prophecy is available to every child of God. You may all prophesy. Uh, and the simple gift of prophecy is speaking to men to edification, exaltation, and comfort. We can distinguish simple gift of prophecy, which is available to all children of God, whether you are in the fivefold or not, just like the other eight gifts are available. Remember, there are nine gifts, and all of them are available to all of us. We see that in the life of Ananias. Ananias was a layman. In fact, there's no record of, in the scripture that Ananias ever had that experience again. But the one experience that he had, whew, powerful. Ananias was in his house. God gave him the address. Talk about word of knowledge, real-time location of where Saul, or that became Paul, is praying. He gave him the address. He told him word of wisdom, God's plan concerning his life, and came and laid hands on him to receive his sight. My goodness, trifecta. <laughs> trifecta. So Ananias was a regular guy. Just a disciple. I use just to distinguish from being in an office. A, a child of God is on top of the devil. Office or no office. We are in the kingdom of light. They are darkness. Darkness bow to us. But just like in the army, I'll use the analogy of the army again. Just like in the army, you have generals and you have foot soldiers. Everybody has their roles and responsibility. And so God equipped certain individuals to carry certain anointing, certain graces for his kingdom purposes. It doesn't mean they are better. It just means they have more responsibility. So the gifts of the nine gifts is available to every child of God. So, for example, if you look at Acts chapter 21, verse 8, Acts 21, verse 8, we're going to see something very powerful here. I'm beginning to launch into the meat of the message today. Acts 21, verse 8 to 11. I want to show you the difference between prophecy or prophesying and the office of a prophet. Acts 21, beginning from verse 8. The Bible says, On the next day, 
we who are who are with Paul, or Paul's companion, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, this man, Philip the Evangelist, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. I've heard many preachers talk about this in many different ways, that they were prophets. They were not prophets. They prophesied. There's a, dis there's a distinction. As we continue to read, you find prophesying and the office of a prophet in the same, within two or three verses from each other, who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and began to prophesy about what was going to happen to Paul on his voyage. Now, when I looked up, when you look at the word prof prophesy, is prophetia. That's the Greek word there. But the word for prophet is completely different. Prophet is somebody that is a gift himself. He's called into that office. Everyone may prophesy. Prophesying is speaking forth, bubbling up. And we're going to get to that as we move on with this. So I just wanted to make a distinction between those. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 29, are all prophets? It was a question. The answer, of course, is no. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all evangelists? The answer is no. Are all teachers? The answer is no. It's up to you, and that's why we do these classes, to get before God. You know, you, do, you take that test. And I recommend everybody to do that. But that test is just an indication. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one that called you. So if you have a call, you know it. If you don't know it, just love God and serve God. If there's a call on your life, he will tell you. You know, Papa Egan said it this way. God is an intelligent being. I think he is. <laughs> He's a pretty intelligent being. If he called you to do something, it's up to him and to you. You have a part to play in this. To pass that information to you. Plain and simple. It's up to him to pass that information. So don't fret and sweat and try to pull your hair out. Am I a prophet? Am I? Well, go before God and ask that. For me, I can, tell, I can tell my own story. For me, it started many years ago. I just began to act weird in church, not disrupting church. The church that we were going to at the time, they were announced, they're so-so, is sick, and let's pray for them, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but the way they would present it was in the tone of, oh, this person is sick and they are going to die, more or less. So there's something that was just, my spirit man was rebelling, like, okay, I know we need to pray, but not like that. So I was like, okay, something is wrong with me. So I started praying. I started asking God and then talking to mentors, people that were more mature than me, like, what is going on? Why am I feeling like this? Everybody else, it seems like they are cool with it. But I'm just sitting in my seat squirming like, no, we got to go pray. We got to go cast that thing out and do something. What is wrong with me? Why am I acting like that? So I began to read and study and read a lot of Kenneth Hagin's book and Kenneth Copeland, all these men. And I found out the deep calls unto the deep. There was a call on the inside of me. That's what was speaking. 
So as I began to seek God, one day I got up, I was getting dressed, I was at IBM at the time, I was getting dressed, and I heard the, probably the only time that I've ever had, it seemed like an audible voice to me. I'm calling you. I'm, he used the word, I'm sending you with a gift of healing, and then he went on and told me a bunch of other things. And when the time is right, the, the, the assignment will begin, and then you begin to go all over the world and preach the gospel. So I wrote it down, and then I shared it with people that were close to me. So my point is, if God has a call on your life, he will tell you. Now, you have a, 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 a responsibility to seek him. So at the end of the day, no matter whether you have a call or not, you love God, you serve God, you go after him. And if he has a call on your life, he will tell you. And that call will be drawing you. It's like a, a calling card. It will be drawing you because it's built into every DNA of your human person. You just can't help it. If there's a call there, like Papa Egan will say, if there's a preaching in you, it's going to come out. Eventually, it's going to come out. So if God has a call on your life, especially into the, any of the offices, you will know it. You will know it. Eventually, you will know it. It's going to be speaking to you. You can't get away from it. Like uh, many, many that we read in the Bible, Jonah was running away from the call of God, but that call found him and brought him back. That call will be speaking to you. Now, you can rebel against it, but you'll be hearing it. It will be bugging you. Because that's essentially why we call it the call. It's a call from the Father to you. You can ignore it and go drinking and go partying and go doing crazy stuff. But that call will be following you. For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Now, as I was studying that, it's in my note. You find out gifts is charisma. Calling I can't remember the Greek word now, but I have it in my note. Calling is a different Greek word. So charisma, the gifts of God in your life, the nine gifts that God has given you, whatever gifts that God has given you, and also the calling, God doesn't change his mind. You go crazy, you do stupid stuff, end up in jail, kill somebody, do nasty stuff. That gift and that calling is still there. It's still going to be pulling you. Now, that person has to repent, get their ways right, but that call, God, in other words, God never changes mind. The call of God on your life is permanent. End of story. It's permanent. It, it, you do something stupid, you do something crazy, like, that's the way we think. You know, if somebody does something stupid and something crazy, they are no longer qualified, not according to God. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Because man didn't call you, God did. And the way God sees man is not the way we see. For God spoke about, <laughs> God spoke about David. He said, uh, when David was going to be anointed, you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Because he was looking at the stature of Eliab and his brothers, and God said, no, I've rejected him. I've rejected him. I've, but this is the one I've chose, the one in the backside of the desert. We talked about David on Sunday. So the call of God on your life will be pulling you. So I'm covering a lot of areas specific, not just to the prophet, but following where God is leading me tonight. The prophetic anointing, the prophetic gift, and the prophetic call. There's something called the prophetic anointing. 
prophetic gift and the prophetic call. The prophetic call is the call to that office. Prophetic anointing is the anointing to prophesy. So think of it this way. Um, if you are under a cloud, let's say the cloud covers this room. Whatever is happening under that cloud, you are partaker of it. If it's rainy, if it's cloudy, if it's dark, you are partaker of it. That's being in under a prophetic anointing, a prophetic blanket. A prophetic gift is God has given you one of the nine gifts, the gift to prophesy. If it's a gift, again, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. It's there. The grace to prophesy is there. It's, and when God needs something to say, he will give it to you and then you say it. But you have to say it. You can close your mouth because the Bible says the spirit of the prophet are subject to the prophet. You can hear something and not say anything. You, God can speak to you and don't say anything. Because you are not a robot. <laughs> you, you still have to use your will to do what God is telling you to do. So that gift is always going to be there. So let's go. Romans eleven twenty nine. the gift and the calling of God, they are without repentance. So whatever God has put on your life, don't worry about it. You have a part to play. You have to study. You have to prepare. If God has a call on your life, you will know it. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. Just love God. If there's something that God wants you to do, he's an intelligent being, he's going to tell you. He's going to tell you. So that's very important to say. Uh, if you go to 1 Samuel 10, 1 Samuel 10 verse 6, I wanted to show us the prophetic anointing. 1 Samuel 10. This is the story when Samuel, let me use my iPad. This is the story when the Samuel was just anointed to be king, and he was coming back, and he came into the company of prophets. I mean Saul, rather, sorry. First Samuel 10, verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This is Samuel talking to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Then if you go to verse 10 to 13, in verse 10, when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them, just like Samuel said. When you meet these guys, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you prophesy. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that we have come upon the son of Kish? He saw among the prophets. So when the prophetic anointing come upon you, it has the same effect like being in the office. Because it's the same Holy Spirit you begin to prophesy. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, that you may all prophesy. Amen? So anybody can be used to prophesy. We, are, we also saw the prophetic gift under 
when Ananias, we talked about that a, a few minutes ago, Ananias prophesied to Paul God's assignment for his life. God revealed to him that he's going to stand before kings and before uh, potentates and declare the name of the Lord. Did Paul de- do that? Everything that Ananias prophesied exactly came to pass. So there's the prophetic gift, the prophetic anointing, and the prophetic call. But again, it's, that's why I called it the prophetic realm. It's, it's, it's within the realms where God revealed things to his church. Because God loves his church. And so he will use anyone that is available and yielded. So when service is going, instead of us thinking about lunch or about what's happening at work or not being there, if you are present, you begin to hear the voice of God. Amen? You begin to hear God speak to you. And God might give you a word for your neighbor or for the, some, uh, the person sitting next to you. It's not always the people that's up here or the pastors or the, you know, the leaders of the church. You can hear God. Amen? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Are you his sheep? Are you his sheep? If you are his sheep, he said, my sheep will hear my voice. And the voice of the Lord will come through one of these three revelatory gifts. Amen? True, and the, the, the message will come through several vehicles, either dreams, visions, revelations, etc. You kind of know what I'm talking about. So now let me tell you a little bit of a, a short testimony. Um, we wrote a book many years ago, Don't Buy the Picture. And it's a story about miracles, birth, and the testimony surrounding that. Um, how that book came about. My wife and I, we went to Minneapolis. We were living in Rochester at the time. We drove to Minneapolis to the Mall of America to go and do some shopping. So as we were going, I was listening to message. I'm always listening to message, feeding my spirit. So praying in tongues, the two of us praying in tongues, just having a good fellowship time with the Lord. We went on our way back. As we were arriving towards Rochester, all of a sudden, I began the tongue changed. You can tell when the tongue changed. There was a season that if you were listening to me, you think I was speaking Chinese. My tongue sounded like Chinese, very much like Chinese. And then it would change again, and it would sound something like Spanish. And then it would change again. It would sound something different. So the tongue changed in the car. I knew because I felt the anointing that God was about to say something. I will speak in tongues and then I will interpret. I will speak in tongues and then I will interpret inside the car between the two of us. Essentially, that's when God spoke to me. He said, I want you to write a book and you're going to call it Don't Don't Buy the Picture and it's going to detail the miracle that I'm about to do in your daughter. In that prophetic word. So I will speak in tongues and then I will interpret. I will speak in tongues and then I will interpret. So as soon as we pulled up, I quickly wrote everything down. I'm telling you, when I sit down to write, it's like something just pouring out like water. It was effortless. Because he called me to write it. It was just pouring out like water. I've never written a book before. I don't know what to do. But every time, God will just bring somebody to help us. The, the person that did the manuscript, uh, the editing, the person that helped us with the pu- publishing, everything just fell in place. 
So be sensitive. Don't confine the leading of the Lord to church service or in your private life. God wants to speak to you. The way God speaks to you right now that you are accustomed to, be open to another way. Be open to another way that God might speak to you because that wasn't something that I was accustomed to. Tongues and interpretation. That's scripture. The gift of tongues and interpretation. And it doesn't say that somebody will speak in tongue and then somebody else will interpret. The Holy Ghost can give you the tongue and also give you the interpretation. I said, well, well why, why does God do that? I don't know. When you get to heaven, ask him. Why doesn't he just speak in English or Italiano? I don't know. But it's his gift. Tongues and interpretation. So I want us to be open to that. So I, that's why I'm, the Holy Spirit is bringing it out. Because there are some tracks that we are used to, and we want to stay on those tracks. This is the way God speaks. I'll tell you, you know, there was many years ago when I want to hear God because I dream a lot. I say, okay, God, I want to hear you. I'm going to go to sleep. That's, that's childish. Because I'm telling myself that's the only way God will speak to me. If I want to hear God during that season, I'll tell my wife, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> and then when I go to sleep, there will be nothing. Because God is saying, no, you are not going to pigeonhole me here. You have to be open to hear from God any way he chooses. Now, I'll tell you another testimony, and then we'll move on to the next part. A few years ago, this was in Minnesota. I had a dream. In the dream, I, I was in a place that looked like where I, used to, I was working at the time. And for some strange reason, I mean, who goes digging inside the wall unless you are a builder? I just found myself with a sledgehammer, and I was banging the wall very adjacent to our conference room. And when I finished opening the wall, inside the wall was a like a manila envelope, and it has my name on it. So I took it out, I opened it, and inside it was a letter for promotion. And in, in there, it wrote, uh, the, the letter basically say, you are being promoted to director for supply chain. Okay. And fast forward in the same dream, I saw some of my colleagues back then and some of my friends lined up like you're welcoming somebody, like a welcome committee, like what we do when we do fire tunnel. They were lined up and they were saying, high five, congratulations, high five, congratulations, high five, congratulations, congratulations, you got the job, you promoted, congratulations. And then I woke up. So at the time, there was all kinds of trouble going on on my job and I was trying to figure out what God wants me to do next. And then I have a dream like that. So my interpretation at the time was God was going to promote me to that position. Because I was a manager level at the time, I wanted to advance to the next level. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I think it was a few years after that, we left Minnesota to come here. Two years after we got here, it happened. Exactly the title that I saw in the dream. It happened. The exact title. In fact, that title did not exist before. They created it. We didn't have that title before. They created it. And 
to tie that together, when we first came to Global River, probably a few months after that, I was sitting where Ron is, like I usually sit, and Pastor was ministering that day. I was still getting to know everybody and getting to know Pastor. And then he just walked up to me and whispered in my ears, God says he's about to promote you. He's about to increase you. And I've shared this before. And then a few months later, the promotion happened. God gave me a dream. God gave a word of prophecy through him. So God wants to use everybody. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. But you have to be willing to yield to him and let him use you. So I just wanted to share those stories because sometimes stories connect the dots more for people. Because at the time, I thought it was going to happen right away. But it was in the future, four years down the road. Amen? I told us when, when I did the teaching last time, for every prophet, depending on how God wants to use them, many times God is telling you about the beginning part of the prophet or the prophecy, the middle part, or the ending part. So you have to be able to discern, uh, is God talking about the beginning, the middle, or the ending? Like, for example, the prophecy about Trump and him coming back to the White House, majority of the body of Christ have moved on. But I haven't. Because I know I heard God. You can't tell me that I didn't hear God. Now, you may not agree. That's okay. That's fine. I know I heard God. So let's watch. <laughs> let's watch and see what happens. I mean, you see in the Bible, God will give a prophet a message, and 700 years later it will happen. Why does God do that? <laughs> because, because he knows what's going to happen, and he's God. He wants to tell you 700 years in advance. And then God will tell you something that happened 700 years ago now because he knows the past, the present, and the future. So uh, God is amazing. So let's move on. Let me, tell, let me share a couple of nuggets here. Go to Genesis 20, verse 7. The story of Abimelech, the king of Gerah, when he wanted to take the wife of Sarah. Remember that story? Because Sarah is so beautiful, and the king was like, I want to have her. In verse 20, 20, Genesis 20, verse 7, the Bible says, Now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Did you know that Abraham was a prophet? Did you all know that? He is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. You and all that are yours. Now, when I read that, I was like, God, this is definitely true because you wrote the book. And then I remember the first time that Abraham would have an encounter with God. Remember the two, the covenant? He was dancing literally with divinity to cut that covenant. He was seen in the realm of the spirit. Now, tell me, how many prophecies did Abraham give? That you can find. None. But God calls him a prophet. God is the one that decides who is a prophet and who is not. <laughs> Glory to God. 
God is the one that decides, who is the one that appoints. God has appointed these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, let's move on to another one that, that blew me away. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 8 to 9. This is a story that you're familiar with, too. Matthew 11, 8 to 9. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. He was talking to the group. Because prior to that, John the Baptist sent a message to Jesus and said, are you the Messiah that we are waiting for, or should we wait for another? John was having uh, 40s moments, midlife crisis <laughs> with his faith. Are you the Messiah, or should we wait for another? And so Jesus said, you see the blind, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf are healed, the gospel is preached. Blessed is the man that is not offended at me. So the people that came went back to John. After John, the, MS, uh, the people that came left. Then Jesus turned to the people that he was talking to. So they, the, uh, the messenger didn't even hear the message. He said, but what did you go out to see? A man clothed in garment, indeed. Those who wear soft clothing. In other words, royalty, people that are rich. They, don't, they, don't, they live in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. Now, if you look at the life of John the Revelator, when we think of the traditional view of a prophet, would you consider him a prophet? Now, he was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was declaring that this is Jesus, the Son of God, and he was doing all of that. So that was prophetic. But what else did John do that was really prophetic? But God calls him a prophet. Amen. I just wanted, the Holy Spirit wanted me to show those two individuals so that we can change our paradigm of what we think is a prophet or what is not a prophet. Remember, you may all prophesy. Because you prophesy does not make you a prophet. You have to be called into that office to be a prophet. Some are prophets by call into the office of a prophet with the grace and the anointing and the equipping to go with it. Some are anointed with the prophetic gift, the gift to prophesy. Some operate under a prophetic anointing like we saw with King Saul. He prophesied because he was in the company of prophets. And then afterwards, the anointing lifted. So, that's why I called it a prophetic realm. Now, to be prophetic is to be in the atmosphere of the prophetic and to flow in the, in, in, along with what the Holy Spirit of God is leading. Remember that the prophetic is God's tool and way of communicating to his body. When somebody says, the Lord spoke to me, that is prophetic. When somebody say, the Lord spoke to me, they heard from God. That's the prophetic in operation. <laughs> Glory to God. I know many prophetic people in this church. You just didn't call yourself that, but that's the prophetic. Because it's the way God communicates to his people. And like I said, it can come through many vehicles. It can come through a mental image. It can come through a closed vision, an open vision. We're going to get to that in a minute. I have to move faster. 
Prophetic anointing is a supernatural ability given to a person to fulfill a given task. It's a supernatural empowerment. This anointing level is based on the call or the assignment the Lord has for that person and can be increased by faithful stewardship with increased or with increased new assignment. So if God has a bigger assignment for you, he give you a bigger anointing to handle the assignment. So that's, I mean, that makes sense. Implies that your assignment determine, determine rather your anointing and your faithful stewardship will affect its effectiveness. However, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So God has called you. End of story. Now it's up to you to find that call. Make yourself a faithful steward within that call and run the race. Amen? So let's go quickly to who is a prophet. Because that's really the crux of what I'm building up to. But I wanted to clear those brushes first so that you won't think, uh, I'm not a prophet, so I'm not, I can't be prophetic. No. A prophet is called, anointed, and separated into the office by God. Not by man, not by the denomination, not by the pastor, not by the elder board, not by his mom, his dad, not by his uncle, not by the denomination. Now, if God has a call on you and God has truly called you, God will make it known. God will make it known, especially if God wants to use you in a congregation, in a group. Because if you don't have credibility from God, why would anybody listen to you? So if God has called you, I mentioned that last week, you know, because Lisa talked about and is motivating all of us, and I agree with her, that we should look for a call, and if you have a passion to teach and to preach, you know, text Pastor Tom, and I told you, please don't text Pastor Tom. <laughs> don't text him. If God called you, it will make room for you. Now, in fact, that's one of the maturity that comes with understanding that God has a call. If God has a call on you, you don't have to announce it. Let God announce it. Like, I try to remember how I connected with Pastor Tom, and he allowed me to speak the first time and then the second time. I can't remember. Honestly, I can't remember. The, your gifts will make room for you. Amen? Your gift, just be humble be available to serve. I remember I was uh, part of the team that will welcome the meters, greeters when we first came. I told my wife, we are in church, we gotta do something. We can't just sit here and be warming bench. So if you are watching from home and you're part of this church and you're not doing anything, why? <laughs> why? I'm just gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> if you're not doing anything, do something. You, are, you, are in, you, you know, everything that we do, there's a reward in heaven. I was having a conversation with somebody from church. I don't want to use name. And we were talking about the white throne judgment and the judgment for the believers. The judgment for the believers is not judgment unto condemnation because you're already in heaven. It's to assess the works that you did on earth. For example, I'm preaching tonight. I preached on Sunday. If there is a wrong motive in any part of it that I, you know, I come here because I want to show myself or I want to whatever that is not in line with scripture, it's going to be burned by fire. 
So everything you do for God, doing the camera, uh, cleaning the church, uh, cleaning outside the church, walking in the kitchen, uh, anything you do for God, if the motive is not right, it's like bright daylight. The Lord will pass it through fire, and if it passes the test, you will receive a reward. If it doesn't, you will suffer loss. That's what scripture said. So everything you do, do it with that mind. Do it as unto the Lord, you're giving. Being faithful in your tithe, in your giving, in your, uh, God spoke to you to do something for somebody. Do it. You don't need to announce it. Because if you do, then you've gotten your reward. <laughs> it's going to pass through fire and it's going to, it's going to burn. I don't want anything I do for God to burn. I want my reward. Amen? Like, for example, I prepare for messages. Generally, when I have to preach, I take it seriously. Almost too serious from some people's perspective. I'll fast sometimes. Most times I'll fast. I will spend hours in prayer, hours in prayer, hours in prayer, a lot of hours. They say, why are you doing that? Because I'm doing it unto him. He's watching. He's the, you know how you have teachers in, in high school, in college, that are supervising the exam? Is God is watching. Not from a condemning perspective. He's watching what you're doing. And then one day you are going to give an account. So when we get to heaven, the work that you do as a pastor, as a leader, as whatever, it will be passed through fire. The music leaders, the, the sacrifice they put up in practice, in prayer. God is watching. And they are going to receive their reward. And if it's not pure, it's going to be burned by fire. They are not going to get a reward. So if your motive is all wrong, you are not going to get So let's go back here. I'm just following the Holy Spirit here. The, a prophet is called into that office. Like I said, you are called by God, but God will also let everybody else know, especially if he wants to use you in that context, within that group. Because if nobody knows that you have, you're a prophet or you're an apostle or this or that, especially because God is a God of order. In this house, Pastor Tom, be the man. So if God is going to use you in this house, he's going to talk to him. Amen? God is not in confusion. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I've been in this church for 20 years, and Pastor Tom don't use me. It's not Pastor Tom that's not using you. <laughs> Go to God. <laughs> Go to God. If you truly believe that God wants to use you here, then take it up with God. And God will connect it. God will find a way to connect you. But it starts with you having that heart to serve. Because at the end of the day, that's all we are doing. We are serving. Whether you are doing it here or in the back or where nobody sees you. Another great way to serve is to be a prayer warrior. You come to Wednesday prayer intercession time. Or you do it or do both at home. There are many requests that come up on this altar about this person, that person. And you know you have a relationship with Jehovah. Take them up as part of your prayer list and intercede for them. And if God finds you faithful, he promotes. When he finds a steward faithful, then he moves you to another level, to another level, to another level. Glory to God. So who is a prophet? A prophet is uh, Jesus. 
Because a believer prophesied does not make them a prophet. Every believer may prophesy according to the passage we read earlier. A prophet does not does more than prophesy. Laying on of hands goes along with the prophet's office, meaning a healing ministry uh, most of the time, just like we find in all the other four gifts. A prophet is God's mouthpiece. God gave me this analogy. So this microphone now is a mouthpiece, is echoing my voice. Does the microphone know what I'm about to say next? The microphone finds out what I'm about to say next when I said it. <laughs> That's usually how it happens with the prophet many times. But sometimes God will tell them ahead of time, and then they will deliver the message. But generally, especially if you are the rohe kind of prophet, which we are going to get into in a minute, you just bubble up. It just comes out of your mouth. You know how many times you say something and you want to take it back? Exactly. It just comes out of your Who said that? <laughs> Glory to God. So a mouthpiece is God's microphone, essentially. And if that prophet is yielded, then they are able to communicate the mind and the thoughts of God. Now, Acts chapter 5. I want to share this real quick. Acts chapter 5. This is why doing a study like this in one session is just not enough. And that's why I wrote the notes in the format that I wrote it, so that you can study it at home. You can use it as a study resource. If you look, go to Acts chapter 5, verse 33. Is it verse? I think it's verse 3. Acts chapter 5, 33, 33. 33 to 30. Am I in Acts chapter 5? I was in the wrong book. So this is um, the, the apostles were being beaten because they were preaching the word. You know the story. And so they brought them to the council, you know. Let's read from verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. <laughs> because they put them in prison and the angel of the Lord released them. <laughs> so they were like, where is the prisoner? They're trying to kill them. They can't find them. So verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside. So they were within the council gathered together and the apostles were there. We know Peter was there, but Peter was not the only one there. The Bible just said the apostles, so we don't know how many of them were there. And he said to the men of Israel, take it to yourself that, you, that what you intend to do regarding this man, in other words, you want to kill them. For some time ago, a guy named Tildas rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered, and he came to nothing. I'm coming to something. After this, a man, Judas of Galilee, rose up. Obviously, the people he was talking to, they were familiar with the story. It's a, common, it's a current event that all of them can remember. He rose up in the days of census, drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men, and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. 
lest you even be found to find a fight against God. So Gamaliel was inspired by the Holy Ghost to give them this counsel. Leave them alone. If what they are doing is not of God, it will come to zero. He just gave them two examples. What I'm trying to bring out of that is, if God has a call on your life, don't worry about it. God will bring it out. He will draw it out. Again, it doesn't mean you sit on your bum at home and do nothing. You fellowship with him. You continue to serve God in whatever capacity you can. Continue to love God. And if there's a call there, it will start vibrating in you. You, you can't get away from it. So if it's of God, it will stand. It will, if it's of God, it will stand. If God has called you to preach to America, that America will know you, it will happen. If, as long as you keep running after God, you keep following him, God will organize circumstances that will bring you to that place. And then one day you are standing and preaching to America. So who is a prophet? A prophet, again, is God's mouthpiece. It requires faithfulness. Um, to be faithful in any of the call, especially in the office of the prophet. Remember the parable of the talent. This one had five, this one had three, this one had one, and then the other guy went and hid it. Well, if you, if you are not faithful in the little, how can God promote you? So you have to be faithful in whatever capacity. So if Pastor Tom asks you to do something, do it. God requires faithfulness. Every time Pastor Tom asks me to preach, I never say no. I don't care what's happening. I will change my schedule. Because this is me many years ago saying, Lord, use me, use me, use me. And now he wants to use me, and now I will say no. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. It's never going to happen. I don't care how inconvenient it is. I will say yes. Yes, sir. That's always my answer. Yes, sir. So, you be faithful in that place that God has placed you now. And if he has something else for you, he will move you there. You don't have to announce yourself or, or fight your way and then get mad. People leave church because Pastor Tom didn't tell them to do this or put them in that position. It shows immaturity. I'm sorry. That's what it is. It shows immaturity. And then if Pastor Tom or any of the leaders rebuke you, take it in love. It might hurt your feelings, just like if you spank your kid, they won't like you for like half a day or maybe two days. But then you get over it. Again, you mature. If God cannot discipline you, if God cannot hold you accountable now, is he going to be able to hold you accountable when you are standing and preaching to millions? No. So it, that's all part of it. It's all part of it. You have to be able to rebuke, re, re, receive rebuke in love. A prophet often, often speaks by inspiration, usually of the moment. He or she will speak of the heart of the Holy Spirit to the people. For example, on Sunday, towards the end of the message, there was a prophecy that came forth for the house, for those that were paying attention. And it was more of, there was no... There was no word of knowledge or word of wisdom. It was purely prophecy, which is exhortation, comfort, edification and comfort for the house. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I know when it starts. I know when I am shifted to that. I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're shifting gear, and you go from gear one to gear two, and you go to gear three. You know. You can feel it. So the moment it happened, I knew. So, and then 
then I'll release what, whatever God is saying. A prophet preaches or teaches by inspiration. He may have notes, he may have none. A prophet is one that has a consistent manifestation of at least two of the revelation gifts in operation. And if somebody has been called to the office of a prophet, they might still be in the baby stage in their assignment. But when the full-blown thing comes, you will know. So we should not despise the days of little beginnings. A prophet speaks on the impulse of a sudden inspiration from the light of a sudden revelation. Many times when I prepare my notes, I pray and do everything, as I'm teaching, the Holy Spirit will be showing me things right there that, I, that wasn't part of my note, part of what I... So that's why I would always have all these detours throughout the entire message, and I never finish the message because he's showing me stuff right there on the spot. It happens a lot with the teacher, uh, the office of the teacher as well, because he, they instruct. A prophet cannot turn on or turn off the gift at will because all of the nine gifts are operated as the spirit wills. Amen? Amen? They are operated as the spirit wills. <laughs> you can't just turn it on and turn it off like it's a, a light switch. When the prophet gives a word or a message, it may be speaking about the beginning, the middle, or the ending of the message. A prophet receives revelation in part. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. A prophet does not always have a prophetic word. <laughs> a prophet is first and foremost a preacher and a teacher of the word. The, the example I always go to, the Holy Spirit is prompting me right now. Remember... Uh, the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman, the prophet gave a word that by this time next year you are going to have a son. Great. It came to pass. Ten years later, the boy had a headache, died. The Shunammite woman grabbed his, his servant, take me to the prophet. When they were closing up, closing, I mean approaching the prophet, the prophet and his servant saw them from afar. And so he sent his servant to go and find out what's happening with the Shunammite woman because she's a blessing to the prophet. She opened up his, a house for them, a place for him to sleep. You know the story. So when he got there, he said, everything is fine. Everything is good. So finally he got to the prophet, grabbed his pants, and Gehazi was going to get away from my master. And the prophet said, leave her alone. She's in distress. And the Lord has not told me. It's in your Bible. He's a full-blown prophet. And God didn't tell him. So a prophet only knows what God tells him. So all these people that always have a prophetic word, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe they do, I don't know. You have to test it too because it will witness in your heart. Because somebody said, does hear the Lord, doesn't mean God is saying Because anybody can say, does hear the Lord. It doesn't mean God is saying. A New Testament prophet is also a seer. God opens their eyes to see in the spirit. And usually, this has been my study. Usually, not always, usually it will start with dreams. It will start with dreams and then God will gradually open the full enchilada to them. And they are beginning to see in the realm of the spirit. I know 
you know, there are some things that God has spoken to me that I'm like, God, are you sure? <laughs> and the moment I say, are you sure, a few weeks from there, somebody's going to prophesy on me and say exactly the same thing. I said, okay, I guess you mean it. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm telling you, I, lo I, love, I love the word of God. I love the things of God. That's why every time I start to put together, I have like four pages left. And it's already 8 o'clock. So I, there's no way I can really cover all of this. And that's why, again, I gave you the notes to study. Let me, let me talk about one aspect real quick. There's what is called the Nabi prophet and the Rohe prophet. You know, pastor knows what I'm talking about. The Nabi prophet is the prophet that gets revelation primarily by bubbling up. They bubble up. A Roy prophet gets revelation primarily through revelation in pictures. So, and I gave some examples for, for, your, for you to study. So I want you to study that. Um, I think it's going to really bless you. I didn't know this many years ago. God opened that up to me recently. Now, there's also different kinds of visions. Many times, we don't even know that God gave us a vision because it's a mental picture. It's a type of vision, a mental image. Like you're in the middle of a service and you get a, a picture in your mind, a picture that has nothing to do with what's going on. And it's only there is the peace of God in, in that what you are receiving. That's a vision. Because for many years, I thought a vision is, ta-da, like you see in Hollywood. You know, the, <laughs> stop laughing. That's what I thought. Because nobody taught me until I began to study. Until I began to study. You know, pastor will share that many times. And I learned from him. I watch this man. I watch him. <laughs> he will say something. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll go home and go study it. You guys should do that. You pick up something like, ooh, I didn't know that. I'll write it down. You see me writing on my iPad. I'll go home and study it. I say, ah, I see. So I'm learning. I'm, I'm just absorbing like a, a sponge. Everything. I'm just taking everything. You know, somebody is sharing something with me. Like, for example, um, somebody will come and give me a word, a prophetic word. I get it all the time. And then I'll ask them, how did you get it? What exactly happened? I'll ask them, what happened? What did you see? What did you hear? How did you hear it? Because you may have received it, and you didn't even know you were getting a message. Because it's one thing for God to give you a message, and another thing for you to receive it, understand that you are receiving a message. Because it's so general, you think it's just a mental image. So you can have a mental picture. That's God speaking. You can have a closed vision, an open vision, and then you can be taken to heaven. So that's all within the realms of vision, which is discerning of spirit. And I also mentioned to us earlier, when the service is going on and you sense the presence of angels, that's discerning of spirit in operation. Because angels, where are they? In the spirit. They're on the other side. So your ability to discern them is discerning of spirit. Do you get that? 
Your ability to discern. So many of you have operated in discerning your spirit and you didn't even know it. So because we are thinking discerning your spirit is, oh, there's an open vision. And then an angel, no. <laughs> Glory to God. So there's, so I hope this has really helped you. Uh, has this been a blessing? Again, this is a very large topic. There's so many aspects to it, but uh, material that you have, please study it. If you have any question, reach out to Pastor Tom. Don't call me. Call him. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Yeah, don't text me. Um, I just I want to I point out two things because the, the, the house has been moving deeper and deeper into the prophetic. You notice that. I love Sunday mornings because um, as you prepare your hearts for Sunday, if you come in and you're being angry with somebody, you got an offense with, the, you're sitting on that side of the church, and the per, it messes up the whole atmosphere of the prophetic operation, right? So that's why we got to do what the Bible says. Don't be offended and, and deal with Prepare your heart. Come in in a place where uh, you're already pumped up. That's why when the worship teams, one of the things that's on here we didn't touch on was how the atmosphere gets set when the worship, when we came in tonight, you can already tell that Sarah and, uh, and Ashley have, have been in that realm already, yes. right? That's why they, you can get instantly in it. As soon as you, you know it, you know it by the Spirit. So there's so much of that that's preparatory, and that's why Sunday morning I love, because it's like exciting, like, what are you going to do? And it's like, you know, just kind of flowing in that. So just to emphasize one thing that Pastor touched on, Philip the Evangelist in Acts 21 he didn't know he was going to be an evangelist in Acts 21. But it starts out in Acts chapter 6. There's a need. You've got cranky widows that are mad at each other, right? And the house of mercy. They're getting more food than me. And so, so they, they, they went, we got to find some folks, some men, who are, and here's the qualification, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. You're going to deal with cranky widows. That's probably what you really need, right? And so they have to have the gift of the Spirit, and they need some wisdom, right? So they put those guys in charge of that, and Philip is one of them. And then it says in Acts chapter 8, as an example, when the, their scattering of the believers, Philip, as an example, goes to Samaria, where the half-breed racial issues are going on, and he preaches the kingdom, right? And then you find out, 20-something years later, Philip, the evangelist, who has four daughters who operate in the gift of prophecy. You see the progression of the faithfulness of the church picked out seven men who were full of wisdom in the Holy Ghost. Those are the deacons that are operating, that are willing to be with the cranky widows to do the service of God. But he's also the one in the midst of all the turmoil I'll go on a mission trip to probably the most unlikely place that any, the Jews don't go there, right? They don't go to Samaria. What are you doing talking to a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4? We don't do that. Well, Jesus did. So my point of that is where you're serving is a door opener to what the call will be. And so that's why it's so important what Bishop said, Pastor said, is that there's a place where I have people that get, they get mad at me and they leave the church, they gossip. He never put me, why is that person being put there and I've been here? Like, you just disqualified yourself, right? And the Lord knows it. And so, anyway, I just, uh, I'm so excited about the operation of the gifts of all that are operating. We're, we're going into a new realm. Intercession is in a new realm. We had 35, I think, in intercession this morning. And there's something powerful. The praying church, someone recently told me, says, 
you got a lot of intercessors for the size of your body. Why? Because the fuel of the future of where the kingdom is going is fueled by prayer. What's going on in the secret realm and what you're doing in preparation is what prepares us for where we're going. So I often say when we get to a place where there's a lot of people in the prayer room, hmm, Jesus is about ready to do something. Well, we've been real. Come on, let's stand. And Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing. I can't wait. Um, don't miss out. Here's the other thing. I, I, I don't understand how the elders, the leaders decide that someone should come like William Wood Chantel are coming. We invest the money that you've tithed to bring them here to bring a word, but you don't come. It's like, what's wrong? Right? And then I remember a couple of years ago when the prophetic word was released to call him into that office position, it was that it was activated by so you could miss the very activation of what how why would you not come drink at the well that the Lord's prepared for you? Because he got something better. I'm just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But, hey, so, Lord, I just pray for this weekend that you'll activate. You're bringing people that are part of our apostolic covering who have been connected with our apostolic leaders who are coming to bring an apostolic word for the city, the region, and for individuals. So I just pray for Chantel and William that you'll prepare the message that they're to bring. You'll I activate them in what we need to hear for this time and this season, that we won't miss it. We shut down everything that is not of you. I thank for you for the team that's going to prepare the worship. we got a combined team that's coming to bring the worship. So that'll be on Friday night at 6.30, Saturday at 2.30, Saturday night at 6.30, and then Sunday morning. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray a blessing over each one. Lord, I ask you to activate the prophetic in this house. And I thank you for the fivefold ministry being revealed in power. When it's operating and every joint supplying, the administrator, Jesus, in, in, uh, Hebrew, in, in Ephesians 4 says, that administrative gift is given to equip the saints for your work of ministry. God, I ask that that would become clearer and clearer. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Pastor Bishop, thank you so much. Enjoyed it.